At noon, we told you about how a group called KC Tenants were fighting to stop eviction hearings at the Jackson County Courthouse. You can see here, they chained themselves to one of the entrances to try to make their point. KCTV5's Greg Payne joins us live now from the courthouse with more on a, a busy day in that area. Greg? Carolyn, it has been a very eventful day. Now, just a couple of hours ago, the group was right back here again in front of the Jackson County Courthouse just to make sure that the afternoon eviction hearings were also stopped. Now, the group says the combined effort between this morning and also the afternoon resulted in a complete shutdown of those eviction hearings. This morning, members of KC Tenants filled the stairs of the Jackson County Courthouse. A message the group wanted many to hear and see as members chained themselves to the side entrance of the courthouse. One of those chained, Azaria Liron. This building has not been dispensing justice. This building has been dispensing violence, and we have a moral obligation to shut that down. In doing this, the group says they achieved their goal of canceling in-person and conference call eviction hearings for the day. We just shut down every single docket. That's like victory. That's like, you know, winning a championship game. That's like, that's like Chiefs winning the Super Bowl again. The group has been fighting for eviction protection during the pandemic for months. Just last month, the ACLU filed a lawsuit on behalf of Casey Tenants. It claimed an administrative order from local judge David Byrne went against the CDC's federal eviction moratorium that was put in place on September 4th and lasts until the end of the year. Despite the lawsuit, Casey Tenants says the court continues to evict people, which they say is unfair and the reason they took another stand. It feels good. It would feel better if we actually did end evictions permanently. But to show up and shut it down for the day means something. That's another week of people being in their homes. That, that's another week of knowing that you're not out in the streets in the middle of a pandemic. I can, in, in very generalized ways, break down like some very quick examples from like the 30s, which is a very good, you know, time to look at because of the relationship to now, mm -hmm. and and kind of t like outline more traditional tenant association to tenant union relationship, if you want, and then like we can proceed from there. That's excellent. Uh, that sound good to rest you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, my favorite stuff. Um, is like the 32 like um and the 30 i think 1931 as well like the uh what is it called east and ellerton avenue that's what it is in the bronx um there was like three or two co-op buildings there um and they were like completely uh entirely housed with like um eastern european jewish predominantly communists like everyone's communist um in these buildings and like that, so that was they went through the depression and like many people lost their work there and it's kind of similar to now because and that's why I love it because like you have a very very similar set of material conditions um, that these um, somewhat similar pretty similar I mean comparable to like a pandemic because everyone's lost work so everybody's ability to pay rent was affected like at this time so you had the same kind of like dynamic between tenant and um, and like uh, tenant and landlords that you kind of do now, but like even like because considering this was upper Bronx, so that's New York. So considering now, like New York had some of the better and still does have some of the better like uh, pandemic related eviction moratorium uh, set in place. So these buildings, they were co-ops. They were uh, predominantly and almost entirely like inhabited by communists. Um, 
just like now, massive loss of income amongst all those tenant housing uh, houses in those units in those house uh, in those apartments. Um, let's see. Uh, at one point, um, organizers who I believe were apparently like before doing tenant organizing, they were doing like you know factory floor organizing came and they got the buildings to um, all to decide to like everyone was going to withhold rent and begin picketing outside and stuff. Um, so that kind of right there is like if the union, like each building would probably have its own association captains and each building would be in an association. So that's just where those distinctions might come from, like from this, this kind of context. And then, um, the distinction, so like, the distinction between tenant unions and, then like and tenant the union association. would be like the people who are able to connect like other buildings across the upper Bronx and like they're working, like the network that com- that binds those buildings across like a geography would kind of be more like you know whatever structures in place that might be the union. Whereas at the local building level, you might have the distinction of association or collective, something like that. It's a little bit more localized. Um, Gotcha. And welcome, welcome once again, everyone. You are listening to uh, In Media Res uh, conversation with Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host uh, and tour guide of sorts, Jeremy, with a, a, another collection of old friends and new talking about an extremely timely topic, uh, that of... Uh, Tenant unions and tenant associations, and you, uh, some folks might have seen all the, all the activity around rent strikes earlier this year during, in the foul year of our Lord 2020. But we can um, we'll get into at least the basics of doing all that. Uh, going around the room um, to, uh, to introduce our well, first introduced uh, our uh, our lovely co-host today. Lovely co-host, can you introduce yourself to the viewing audience? Yeah, hi, I'm Jacob. I've currently barricaded my door so the property manager can't get into my room. So I'm very interested in the discussion today. Excellent. And uh, three lovely guests joining us for the first time. Uh, Guests, can you uh, introduce yourself to the viewing audience? Hi, my name is Mario Correa. Um, I am uh, an organizer with North Portland Tenants Collective. Um, hi, I am Rebecca Markley, and I'm also an organizer with North Portland Tenants Collective and a also organizing with um, DSA Housing Working Group. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, I'm CC. They, them pronouns. Um, I organize with a few groups and kind of unaffiliated in other ways and also working on, on a project called Don't Evict PDX. Gotcha. Yeah. And this is, I think I, I have... Um, um, I think it's one of the ways that I've, uh, one of the local organizations I've definitely heard of and try, been trying to, I think I signed up with because I've been getting some of the texts of like, uh, you know, rapid response for eviction defense and everything. But that is, that is another topic for another day. We're going to start with a more basic thing of tenant unions. Um, so, uh, called you out here, <laughs> uh, well, somewhat here, here in quotes, I guess, to go over the topic. Um, about history of and uh, how it works and and uh, how to even for folk, how to start one uh, of your on your own uh, tenant unions and with with uh, guests with a wide variety of experience and far more than mine of uh, how to go about this. So um, I think CC to continue your talk. Uh, see, did you have anything anything else about um, you know how the how these structures would work in New York in the thirties of note, or do you think it's pretty, pretty much been covered? Is there, is there any is there any particularly good story uh, you've heard about uh, actions back then? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Um, so it's you know a lot of people talk about um, 
have been talking about recently since i mean it was more a lot more of this talk in the beginning of um covid um about like a general tenant rent strike and these buildings in the upper bronx uh the three co-ops or two of them i think uh they actually did this uh, across two whole buildings so i think it was like over four thousand units um and like the landlords tried to move in with an eviction and basically like a, a riot like occurred and like the police were like just pummeled and almost flattened by like like thousands of people. Um, and in a lot of these instances, actually, like women led the actions, called the actions, called everyone to beat the police, threw furniture from their from their uh, balconies and all this, you know. So, yeah, this sort of situation that we have now, uh, you can see notes of it um, or things that are like valuable in the situations and the material conditions that were like erupting around then, like 32, uh, 33. Um, so it's the distinctions made that are important looking at these is that like both individual buildings organized as well as there were organizers who would appear at multiple, multiple buildings or go from one building to another. Um, but you had autonomy at the, local level or at a building level which is more specific i guess to new york because it's very uh, vertically housed and then um if we're talking about tenant associations or tenant unions you could say that these units can be broken down by like the association would be like at the building level or maybe at say like if your complex is a lot of small housing like duplexes that are all very owned by the same landlord in a certain place that could be a tenant association level unit but if your group like that, like if your buildings group is connected to other groups, the structures that whatever connects you with those other groups could be thought of as a union. And often, uh, like in the example of one of the larger uh, tenant unions in America, like for that I'm familiar with would be LATU in Los Angeles. So the way this works out is that you'll have neighborhood local chapters like North Hollywood and those chapters actually connect people from multiple buildings in that neighborhood. And at the building level, you can have tenant associations. And those tenant associations have their own bylaws in a lot of cases. And then at the union level, you have a committee structure in place. Uh, in LATU's case, there really wasn't voting. Um, things were done by like voting at the local level. So your local would vote on changes at the union level. So North Hollywood would have its vote on certain issues, West Hollywood, et cetera. Just to lay out, I guess, what would be a typical, prototypical um, structure set for how, how these organizations are broken up. Gotcha. But, you know, this is just uh, language. Um, a lot of situations arise in which, like, this language doesn't fit sometimes. Um, sometimes things are organized across, like, just landlords. Like, a certain landlord is so toxic that people own, like, you know, or, sorry, rent a house from that landlord. That landlord has multiple single-family homes. They all somehow get together or, like, associations are made across buildings that are owned by the same person something like that and that could be called something different um but hopefully that just kind of facilitates a little bit of like okay that's how it might be referred to gotcha uh and uh, to bring in mario and rebecca um can you talk about your experience it, uh, your organization and your experience in uh in you know what led you to starting it up sure yeah so initially uh this was back in march uh Rebecca and I were, were neighbors. Um, we rented from uh, Palisades Property Management, uh, which is a 
pretty, I guess, yeah, large um, property management company with 30, I think 35 properties throughout Portland. Um, anyways. Uh, Wait, think- are you are you telling me that all landlords aren't just one elderly grandmother renting out an extra room in their house? Um, yeah, it might shock you to, to discover that is not the case. Um, yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyways, we... We got a, a letter from them or an email probably like maybe two weeks after COVID had really sort of set in in Portland. Um, this is the first communication that we had heard from them. And it was basically like the the takeaway was like pay your rent no matter what, even if you have to put it on a credit card, um, which which they did the favor of waiving the, the credit card uh, processing fee if we were to do that. Well, that's nice of them. Um, yeah, really, really kind. And uh, they also sent us the the links to like the, the Amazon warehouse uh, hiring website and uh, Fred Meyer and Safeway, um, just like very un- unsafe places to work at uh, during a pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, I, that rightfully pissed everybody off, um, and um, we kind of organized around that. Just left letters uh, at our neighbors' doors, got contact information, and and decided to just sort of write a, a letter of response. Um, and then from there, there was just back and forth between us and the property management company. We put a list of demands in place, um, which we didn't really get. Uh, we we won some some of the smaller demands like uh, safety or sanitizing supplies for the the common laundry area which mm-hmm. was big um they unlocked the coin boxes which also was kind of a cool one because you know having to go out and get quarters at grocery stores when there's a pandemic raging around you is unsafe um yeah but then none of our demands around like rent relief we didn't really make any progress with that because they essentially just stonewalled us um yeah uh, rebecca do you do you have anything to to add to the, the history of north portland tenants collective no i think you got it covered um we did also try to branch out more from just our building too and incorporate um some of the other i guess we reached out to every single palisades building we were able to get that information they just had it listed online to like all the properties they managed and so that was really great um, so we were able to get all the addresses, find them on Google Maps, figure out how many people were in or how many units, and then just drop letters off there. Um, so we were able to get a pretty good, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, there were like hundreds of tenants and we were only able to sort of like get contact information for about like maybe like 30 or so people outside of our building. But um it was still really like rewarding to kind of like see that organizing kind of like happen in place. And we've been able to stay in communication with a couple of other people who have had ongoing issues with Palisades, um, just like getting roped into um, leases, them not approving like co-signers, things like that. Um, But yeah, it was, we weren't really able to make any progress with um, rent relief as a demand. And um, that was just kind of frustrating. But like, again, we, you know, Palisades, they're all assholes, right? So what what did we really expect? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that, that's really all I have to say about it. Yeah. Uh, just a question for the three of you across your um, your varied experience in setting this up, either up here in Portland or in like in other cities. What has been the 
I guess, what has been the kind of response you've been getting from other folks who might not have, you know, uh, just kind of like regular, you know, regular uh, people when approached with this, with, the, with this kind of a, um, uh, with, with this kind of an idea? Um, I guess kind of like how much uptake did you get from, uh, from people from wanting to join in on this thing? Was it a thing where they said, oh, hell yeah, we're in, or just kind of like they weren't interested or, you know, even just like really angry or something? I think with the West Portland Tenants Collective, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like when, so when we started our like initial letter drops to the other um, Palisades properties, it felt like it was maybe a little slow going. Like, but I think like the people who did respond um, and wanted to get involved and sign up, like they, they seemed much more definitely passionate or, or at least just like, yes, this is something that, that we want to be part of. We want to help however we can. Um, I think like when we approached it, cause initially we were like offering up like a mutual aid network. Like that was sort of a way to get people who were maybe, um, a little hesitant about like, well, I don't know, like about a, a tenants union or direct action. That sounds kind of scary, but a mutual aid network is like very accessible. Like that's, I mean, most people would want to be part of that. Um, so yeah, I think that we got pretty good responses when it, we were, offering up a mutual aid network. Um, and then we, we tabled a few times too. And, uh, at least for me, I think the tabling went really well. Like people would come up and, and talk to us, like ask about what it is. Like we had flyers and stickers to give. And, um, yeah, always have flyers and stickers. I also think we were pretty lucky because there was a, like, People were pretty agitated already about the response that Palisades had to COVID. It was just like, oh, yeah, pay with your credit card and, like, you know, get yourself into credit card debt to pay your rent or, like, you know, potentially die because you, you know, are sick and you're trying to go to work to pay your rent and, you know, not taking care of yourself or all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that was like a pretty unifying cause that I guess like we were pretty sort of like fortunate to have just like kind of like what CC was talking about before with like the material conditions um, kind of like make it right for people to not be able to uh, afford the rent where they live and they, you know, still deserve to be housed. And um, because enough people are facing these same issues, um, it's a little bit easier to get people to care about, um, like, I guess, like tenant rights. Jacob? I was wondering if any of you had any insight into the psychology behind why some groups seem to organize and some don't. My building didn't really make any progress on this front, which I thought was interesting because some of the people I talked to were being pretty heavily impacted by what was going on, but they just didn't really... The the spark wasn't really there, and I was sort of wondering if you guys had any thought about what might cause that. What do y'all think? Um, you know, I think it it really kind of just it depends on the the conditions, like what kind of agitating factors there are. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like the the amount of risk that goes into um, something like a, a rent strike or you know tenants organizing, like it can be really scary because it's always your housing that's at risk um so yeah i mean i think every every situation is probably different um yeah i'd, I'd be curious to hear more about uh you know what's going on at at your um apartment complex well it's mostly blown over now as far as i know but 
in the early days, nobody really had any idea how long this was going to last, how bad it was going to be, where they were going to get their next paycheck from. And there was some chatter among people in the building, very loose chatter about the idea of a general strike, a rent strike. But again, it just sort of just evaporated it. I'm not really clear on why. And I mean, I live in a building that has very mixed income. So there's some people on the upper floors who are very well off. And there are some people who live in the basement apartments and they are definitely basement apartments, mm-hmm. you know, shared bathrooms, pipes in the ceilings, the whole nine yards. And I, I don't know, I was just struck by how even in the upper floors, there was some consternation and agitation, but it never really rolled forward. And there were people who I think, I think wound up actually moving out at least in one or two cases who i think definitely were suffering quite a bit from what happened and yet at the end of the day they all remained very atomized cc yep what do you think um well conditions are one thing there's also a way to talk to people and also there's just a way to like put yourself in a place where people will see you and come to you and i think a lot of times I think more and more during COVID, that's what needs to happen. I'm kind of an outreach person. Um, my local in LA, we started doing, and actually every a lot of other locals, and someone's going to beef me for this because there's shit tons of people I'm talking about here, <laughs> started doing it after us. But we started just showing up um, at, after, like one of our members, an amazing organizer, Ruby, she, they decided to, just be like, let's just go with the megaphones and go to the, the grocery store that my family goes to. Um, given this is a very different social environment, like neighborhoods in LA are very like tight in a way um, that might be different than what you have in Portland. Um, also, the, the, the large block socialized housing that you have in LA is another factor spatially. Um, and I can talk about that as well at some point. But we just showed up with like megaphones and manners and like people would come to us and we would, could like collect data that way or provide data for them as well as a number to call and we would get calls that way um and i mean i guess like as far as talking to other people and like trying to quote unquote ignite the spark you know um i don't know like what you know it's you're talking about people so (laughs) so like every person's different right and like everyone's got their own like you know needs and goals um but like you know if you go into one building and your head starts to hurt within like two minutes because all the mold, um, I guarantee you, you could talk to every unit about mold. And I guarantee you could talk to them about like pests and like why you shouldn't have to live with like pests or something. I'm sure most people could like start building a bridge on like just feeling totally neglected as human beings by, by a landlord. And like, you know, a time will come if they can develop those casual relationships where they can start thinking about things where it's like they start talking about like actually landlords should just not exist and you start hearing them say that on their own like maybe at their own meetings like after you've kind of just helped them with like you know help some people figure out like a good structure for their meetings and that's i guess you know i should say like that's like that's a personal experience i've seen um also you know i've seen some people like i want to talk to the you know the represent my my representatives like you know people and like they send a field agent out to talk to an association at a building and like they'll say some shit like well i don't know why you have to do this organization stuff at your building like you could just call us 
and someone will literally go, but we did call you and nothing happened. And then nothing happened again when we called you. And then we only got something to happen because we did this organizing stuff. You're mad at us for doing, um, you know, but yeah, how do you get there? Like, I guess, you know, it's kind of been said already. Every condition is different. Um, but usually like if you can identify what the conditions are, that can be like a place where you, you build those like relationships. Cause no one wants to have that, you know, feel like they're, you know, just being kicked around because someone has money and someone, you know, you, you know, you don't own the right to your place and, you know, not every tenant, I guess, you know, it's also worth saying, and I don't think anyone here is misled about this. Like, you know, not every tenant wants to organize because they want to overthrow the state. So that comes later. How about the, uh, what, uh, Rebecca, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think also when you put, when you, when you, I guess, introduce the idea to somebody of like organizing who hasn't really done it before. Um, it seems like a pretty big ask to get them from just being like, oh, hey, have you heard about this thing called tenant organizing to like, oh, you're actually going to withhold the money that you are, like are contractedly obligated to like owe your landlord for like the roof over your head. Like that's like a really big ask. Um, like it's a really big conversion, like to just like put it in sort of like some marketing language like that's that's not going to that's not going to sell unless there's like a relationship there. They are like confident in the outcome that will happen, um, that they sort of like trust that they aren't alone. Um, and so I kind of like what go, going back to like what Cece was saying, like, I think there's, you know, like baby steps, like kind of plant the seed, build those relationships. Um, and I'm like, I think like at least like Mario and I got to see that with our building. Um, like most of us hadn't really even talked to each other at all. But like once we all came around this idea that like oh palisades is is being um is is not being helpful is 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 treating us not in in a way that's respectful we were actually able to sort of like start building those relationships and get people um to 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 bargain and and to support this kind of like collective um collective goal so you see why we still have you here can you mention like what have you seen as the differences between i guess just not like how most people's housing is in say uh portland versus how it was in los angeles that would kind of affect um you know like how would how one would go about organizing or even if um you know how much uh how much take you know uh influence that you know organizing could actually get there versus here um i was just kind of thinking about a few things that i have seen and then a few things that like you know people uh mario people sorry uh, you'll hear me use people a lot it's a georgia thing um that mario and Re- rebecca mentioned about their own experience and how they tried to build collectivity um so in la you can you know, you had the you had well pre you know this is pre COVID that I I was thinking about this and also COVID kind of shatters this because of spatial issues. Um, but you know, a lot of these buildings were like built with a large courtyard space that naturally would facilitate people seeing each other regularly, um, just in their daily. But then also was a main a really good way to build visibility and a place to have meetings for everybody. Um, and also LA has that kind of weather where you can just be outside, you know, like all year long. I mean, I don't, I don't like that weather to be honest with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you're in luck. Cause it's, uh, it's not the cold, yeah, the, the yeah, cold no, rain no, has no, returned no, to Portland. I mean, Portland's a lot like Georgia. It's just inverted. It's like a wet cold season instead of a wet hot season that doesn't end. Um, but anyways, so that's one thing to think of. Um, 
you know, Portland's housing is, is, is physically different. It's not like the housing conditions are worse or better in LA. Um, you know, you can always assume like if there are people who can be exploited, they're going to be exploited no matter what location they live in, what city Portland does it too. Like, you know, there are people who have to deal with really shitty housing conditions for no reason other than like we allow people to take private property and use that concept to exploit people basically. But so building associations in LA are a thing because you have these large buildings that are kind of like spread out in a way that they're not so vertical and they're wide and there's a lot of outdoor space and it's very conducive to like a building style TA, sorry, tent association. Um, the approach that MPTC took is very much like what I would, you know, if I knew Portland enough and like now I do like and had the capability to analyze, you know, I would imagine I would probably think that would be a very smart way to go because like there isn't. OK, so like, you know, I don't know I, I, I in what I've seen and I live in like St. John's and I drive a lot between like here and like, you know, Kenton and that area. I see units with like maybe a maximum of like 20. Um, and those are the larger ones I see, I guess, um, as far as complexes go around here. So I, that like that approach where you like you focus on like the tenants of a landlord that is your landlord and go to other buildings to build collectivity. Like that makes a lot of sense. And that's really relevant here. Um, and then like you can see why, like if you've seen L.A. and you've seen these like wide open courtyards that like the apartments are built around and you can just feel like, hey, yo, we're going to have a meeting tonight, like come down to the courtyard and like people can make a family thing about it. They start enjoying it. <laughs> like You know, I let I you know, I was at meetings where they would get like, you know, by the end of the meeting, they would just be drunk. But like it was still effective and like whatever like if that's how they want to build relationships like as long as it doesn't get out of hand and like you know i will say this the drinking gets out of hand when the landlord or sorry when the lawyer shows up that can be a bad thing let, you know if you are organizing out there i'll just warn you all like lawyers and, and alcohol can be be potentially like catastrophic like catastrophic shit gets wild in other words all right, since well, we're about to lose you to uh, the time. Uh, two things is uh, is there uh, we ask folks for uh, recommendations and endorsements. So CCD. Also, if you have anything to plug or um, uh, uh, ways for folks who are interested to get in touch with you, can you uh, can you uh, can you list those? Yeah, I go to a few meetings. I you know I try to go to APTC meetings. And I've been failing at that lately. So like, uh, I'm you know honored to to help and organize with them as well as like other unions in town and and also like the donor vic thing is a small project that i've done with just like two people um and it's just like a court observation kind of project so you can find that like that's a good direct line i guess uh maybe you shouldn't be talking about how that's me but uh that is i'm just finding the at uh the handle which is sorry uh don't like one word d-o-n-t e-v-i-c PDX, so don't evict, don't evict PDX uh, on Twitter. Any, well, I'll, I'll get this in. Anything to uh, any anything to recommend or endorse for what have you been digging on lately that you want others to know about? Either a pop culture thing or not, I guess. Oh, a pop culture thing now. It doesn't well or or any I guess t- like rap is always pop culture now. You know, it always will be. And like, I'm a huge fan of rap. Um, and I know it's not recently, but like lately, I've been really listening to like a lot of um, Tiana Taylor. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I, I don't know. 
Wow, you caught me off guard with that. Like, let's let Rebecca or Mario go on that. Let's see if they can handle that that hot potato real quick, and maybe you can pass it back to me. Well, see, well, that one I was just going to hold off on that one for them till we because for because uh, I wanted to switch over to talking more about um, the um, like the uh, you know I guess the experiences with with the NPT NPTC and also like tips for you know any tips for other folks who might be um, might be interested in in uh, in starting uh, in, in starting something like this. Yeah, I would have to certainly pass it over to Mario. Or Rebecca Casino, Portland, and I, I do not. So gotcha. they're going to have the tips for, that are going to be the most applicable, I imagine. Yeah, it was just, uh, Mario and Rebecca. Uh, can you uh, do you want to go into I guess any more detail about your own particular uh, experiences, like stuff you've learned the hard way, and like particular successes, I guess, if any. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can speak just to like things that I've I don't know like personal experiences for me and in, in organizing like i think that pre-covid i i had a, a really hard time figuring out like how to get and um you're dropping to, off there guess, hang on you, like, just, you just dropped out there for a minute oh um can you like do like the last five se- the last five seconds yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah so like pre-covid i i think that i i was just having a hard time figuring out how to get involved um in organizing and and uh I think for me personally, like a lot of just like the face-to-face uh, interactions and outreach um, with people is like, you know, it can be difficult for me. Like I'm a, I'm a shy person. Um, but then with COVID, it's like, you're not really allowed to do that. So um, I think it kind of made it easier for me to, to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to write letters to all my neighbors, like uh, introduce myself um, just like stuff that I really should have done just regardless of any kind of need for organizing. Um, it's just, <laughs> I guess it comes down to like, you should know your neighbors and, and don't, don't be afraid to just like know your neighbors, say hi, chit chat, leave letters. Um, yeah, just let everyone know like how to contact you, um, offer up, up support for like, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, like uh, try and build like little mutual aid networks, you know, even if that just means like, hey, if you're out of, you know, aspirin or something, let me know. I'll drop some by your door. Um, yeah, I, I think that's like the most kind of important thing to getting started is having rapport with your neighbors. Sounds good. Rebecca? Yeah, I'd also like to add that it is entirely possible for you to just do it. Like, I think me, like, that was, like, the biggest lesson that I learned um, starting and organizing with MPTC is that, like, you are actually capable of doing things like this and, like, impacting the people around you. And um, and it's not that hard. Like, I think, um, I don't know, I feel like, at least for me, like, I had always wanted to organize and always wanted to be involved with something like that, but just always thought that. A, it like took too much time. B, like I wouldn't be good enough, or like I wouldn't know what the fuck I was doing, and I and I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I feel like it's okay, and I can just like accept that and try different things, learn from every opportunity that we have and everything that we've tried, and that you will always continue to just like be able to figure it out. And if you just kind of just like trust yourself, trust the people that you're working with, um, that you can actually organize make a difference in the lives of yourself and your neighbors and um you know like piss off your landlord because who doesn't want to do that 
I am a little bit nervous about doing that, to be honest. I mean, uh, my so the property manager for my building loves to send emails, just constantly sending emails about how people shouldn't leave the door open or people shouldn't let people in if they don't know who they are or they know the water's being turned off or the water's being turned off. They really like turning off the water. And once they manage to screw up and they don't seem to understand how uh, BCC and CC works with emails. So I have the emails for everybody in the building. That is a, I think that would be a, uh, that's helpful. This is a beautiful thing that has happened and yep. been blessed uh, upon us a few times, like uh, in LA, where like a property manager does not know what BCC is and gives away the whole building that we're, you know. But the, th- but the thing that's the thing that's giving me pause here is my landlord knows who I am, my property manager knows who I am, and I'm scared if I start raising a ruckus and using this material, aren't they going to just come up with some excuse to kick me out? I think it's always where you got to know your rights, buddy. So that they well, can't just kick you out, right? Like, I mean, what, they can't. They can't kick me done? out for have organizing. You done anything, Jacob? But... Have you done anything? No. I mean, I've certainly thought about it. Well, don't do anything. All right. Okay. Because, like, right now, even if you like can't pay your rent, they they still can't kick you out. Like, legally. Are you on your lease? I'm month to month. Okay. Well, all right. Well, he would still have to, or whoever it is, they would still have to like write you a proper notice like 30 days and then like they'd have to explain what cause and like you know if that happens you've got a long time to figure it out but you know you'd have to do like right now you'd have to kind of do what is called just cause uh put yourself in a a situation to be just cause evicted which means like you know possibly you know doing a property destruction uh or you know your dog or something, your you know, overgrown porcupine rolls down the hallway and, and like impales the landlord. Uh, or spraying rings or, everywhere. You know, what is tragic though is like what they're doing right now, and just subverts the comedic bubble is like they're like um, really picking on disabled people in transitional and low income housing, especially in like the northwest part of downtown, because uh, you know a lot of folks in don't have the same capabilities to clean up trash and like you know it's really suspect what i'm hearing uh like a you know a lawyer will call the property manager and like a person from their own law office as witnesses and the judge will say hmm sounds like this person like loaded their apartment with trash when like the you know the person is having a hard time navigating the questions and also it sounds like from what they say there wasn't much trash like you know so you know you do need to be aware of that like what the situation is happening like okay because like there's a still f- a full docket of evictions every day right now like there's a backlog even though there's a moratorium right there's a backlog of evictions of this kind of shit and it's just like loopholey really kind of picking on you know people and throwing them out in the streets for what is called just cause evictions, which is kind of like actually creating an exceptionally creepy and evil situation at the courts. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the uh, KC Tenants Organization who successfully shut down both sessions of eviction courts today in Kansas City to date our recording just a little. Mario, Rebecca? I guess to kind of speak to like your issue, Jacob, um, like, yeah, I think it is going to be scary to rock the boat, put yourself at risk, potentially. But um, 
maybe that's like where mutual aid networks are important um, to like have those relationships with your neighbors. So like they know who you are, they can trust you and you can sort of like lean on them for support um, because like hopefully it won't just be you organizing. It'll be your whole building and other people doing the same thing, putting themselves at risk. And like, that's where everyone becomes safer that way, because I guess like, sure they can evict the whole fucking building um, or everybody who is organizing, but then they also lose out on that potential rent. Um, we're like go- moving into the, the the colder part of the year where, where people are moving less frequently and, and, and housing turnover is a lot less, um, is a lot slower. So, um, you know, like they, the property manager has to like weigh those risks as well. Um, and I'm sure that they would prefer to have somebody stay in their building than potentially have to wait for somebody to move in. Okay. Yeah. You, you said, uh, something about your landlord shutting the water off. What, what's, what's uh, uh, it's a, the, the pipes are very old, I guess, and they're constantly leaking. There was a really bad flood in my room uh, a couple of years ago where uh, water just started pouring through uh, my ceiling and uh, literally just filling an entire trash bucket in the in a very, very, very short amount of time. And so I had to move all my stuff to the other side of the room and wait for them to fix it. And they eventually came over and turned off the water. And so I think that happens in my building like a couple times a year. And when that happens, they just shut off the water for the whole building. Yeah. I mean, I I think something else is like document, always document like uh, any any kind of communications from from your landlords, like when they're shutting water off, when they're doing stuff like that. If it seems like they're not doing, um, I don't know, repairs that are or they're neglecting certain aspects. aspects of the um, property that are, you know, it sounds like it's impacting uh, your life and the other tenants there. Um, I mean, I I would certainly be agitated by that. Yeah, well, I I don't know how much they can necessarily do about the pipe situation, but they managed to bash a big hole in my ceiling to get to the pipes to fix the leak, and it took them two weeks to fix this massive hole, which I was pretty annoyed by. A similar thing happened to me at Palisades. Um, there was like a leak in our kitchen. It was coming from the bathtub. When we would shower, we would just use the bathroom faucet and it would just like come through the window and into the into the kitchen. And we like complained about it and complained about it and complained about it. And eventually they brought somebody in and we just had this like giant fucking hole in our ceiling for like two to three weeks as they tried to figure out like where the leak was coming from, even though we like told them it was whenever the bathroom was, was going on upstairs. And um, yeah, so irritating. Um, I should have probably like been spurred to, to organizing um, when that, you know, like <laughs> when that happened. But, but at the time I was just like too angry and too like upset by like the, the situation to really like do anything useful with that. But yeah, I'm sorry you had to experience that. Yeah, it seems like if it's actually coming in like a window, it's like that seems a bit much. The um, one th- um, one thing I think to pick up on something Jacob said earlier on in terms of the kind of um, the kind of folks who didn't seem ready to be um, um, down for you know doing anything or just like people were, people remained atomized even through a, the crisis point that we are te- you know pretty much still in. Um, I mean, this might be this is a bit of a broader um, 
let the cat out. Uh, this might be this is a bit of a broader question, but I'm wondering how much of this is just some sort of like just some of it is natural fear. How much of it is is it some sort of weird like modern American like middle class middle class like respectability ideology or something of like you know well these things we just don't do because it's kind of um, there's, there's this kind of like learned helplessness that has kind of settled in over the last few decades that only now we are beginning to break out of. I mean, I definitely would say it's a little bit of like all of that where, um, you know, we sort of have like this like kind of <laughs> I uh, like individualism that is like, you know, taken to the point of fault where we like we only feel like we can help ourselves and we can't like call upon the people around us to really help or we feel like we're a burden and don't want to do that. Um, also that kind of like learned helplessness and like respectability politics of like, oh, we just don't do that. Like, that's not how you get ahead in life. Like you get ahead of life by like playing the rules and doing what you're supposed to not pushing back. Um, and so I guess like in some of the conversations that we've had with, with other people it, uh, who rented from Palisades, like we did get some pushback like that. Like after the first sort of letter drop that we did, um, people were like, wow, we think this is a fantastic idea. We super support the, um, the mutual aid network, but we don't feel like asking, we're, we're, we feel like we're asking too much and should, we should just wait until, you know, like policy, like local policy dictates you know, other, other rent things. And it was just like, huh, that's really interesting. Well, I guess I'm glad you are on board with mutual aid, but like, um, that was just kind of like interesting to witness. Yeah. The governor will save us. Yeah. If you're waiting for Ted Wheeler or Kate Brown, have y'all had any particular uh, successes with any actions uh, lately, aside from just the basic form, just, uh, you know, getting people signing on and doing anything? Yeah. Um, so we, a couple months ago now, we, we got contacted by a, a tenant at um, what's called the Flanders House. Um, it's an older uh, house in northwest Portland, 14 SROs. Um, but this particular tenant, like, there's a fixed social security income um, and then contacted us because the uh, owner of the house plans to redevelop it into market rate apartments. So we got involved there and um, organized like a phone zap or just like a, there was a, a public hearing for that. The uh, Historic Landmarks Commission was the, the commission that was putting this public hearing on. And, you know, essentially the only people who would know about this are like direct neighbors to the house or people who happen to walk by the front yard and see like, the notice of a public hearing um, posted up in the front yard. Mm -hmm. So we managed to get a, a pretty decent turnout to people to, um, who would call in. Um, we, you know, I'm, I'm sure they were expecting like maybe this would be an hour long hearing and, you know, we had it go on for like three and a half hours. Just people like talking about why, um, you know, there's so many reasons why it's horrible to even consider like, evicting tenants during covid like right. let alone you know people who you know some of which may actually end up houseless if their home goes away and all everyone there would locate to part of the city or so i think that was a, a pretty good success we got a um we we really raised some awareness we got media attention good um yeah i remember yeah. i think I, I think i remember submitting testimony for that or at least uh, emailing in because I remember seeing the uh, some like the group the group calls for it. 
Yeah, and we also we did delay the approval of that. So I guess, you know, like whatever that means for any kind of like progress as we kind of like delay the the redevelopment of this building, it did get delayed a month. Um, we're still kind of like in process of trying to figure out ways to, um, I guess, like save this affordable housing um, and, and prevent it from getting turned into a market rate. Like we like looked at the design plans and they're like the classic, like teeny tiny, like minuscule apartments that are going for absurdly high prices. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's still in progress, I guess. Cool. Jacob? No, nothing. Okay. Didn't know if you had another question or anything. All I'm saying is if I get all organizy and then they kick me out for some bullshit, Y'all better help me move. That's all I'm saying. Did your landlord send you one of those obnoxious COVID emails when that whole thing kicked off? Uh, no, no mine. No, uh, we actually have a good landlord who is, uh, I think, used to live here as a tenant. <laughs> and- no such thing. Well, I wish say okay, a better. Well, I should say that. I, well, let's just say better than average. How about that? In that, because uh, sure. he who I think he, he bought he he was like a longtime tenant here. I live in a uh, I live in a converted Victorian landmark house um, in Northeast, and um, he uh, our landlord was a tenant here forever, and then eventually, I guess after years, somehow like bought the place and is like considering himself much more of a caretaker. And, um, like, for example, I think, what was it? I was like, I, when I was asking, like, during during the wildfires, I was asking him, like, what, if he knew what, um, if there was a way to turn, to switch the, um, the, the heater in the house, like, uh, to fan only, just to, like, filter, you know, filter some of the ambient air out. But, you know, to his credit, he stopped by and gave us a, uh, a kind of little jury rigged, uh, fan and filter combination, which, uh, he didn't have to do. But and um, so I was able to get that to a couple other people in the uh, in the house. Uh, I think a couple of the other units were trading that off. So, but no, it's um, but no, you know, I don't think. But then again, I don't think anybody here. Um, if anybody here even like broached the topic, I don't know if uh, I don't know if it ever came down to that. Not having a, a private uh, a private equity group or people expecting private equity uh, rates of profit run the place that you sleep uh, is probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I looked up the email they sent me, which is really funny, because as a small business, we are still at the mercy of mortgage obligations to the banks, taxes to the city, wages to employee, maintenance costs for building repairs, etc. Rent will still be due on the first of every month. Boo. Yeah. I'm just a small business, and I need your help. (laughs) Just a little mom and pop. Yeah. And that's a similar letter that we got from Palisades about, like, oh, yeah, we still have to, like, pay our employees, and we still have to, you know, pay the mortgages. And so... I don't know. It, it, it's really like funny to see that, um, like at least statewide, mortgages have gotten so much more grace for, um, I guess not not meeting mortgage payments. I guess for like specific types of mortgages than than the 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 rent relief that everyone I guess all the renters have. But um, yeah. 
Yeah, that was how yeah. small landlords shut up. Yeah, that's I mean that's what they did in like New in like New York early on, wasn't it? It was that they uh they forgave mortgages mortgages but not rent. Oh, here. Uh, actually, that's a pretty good uh, uh, transition point, I guess. It's um, you two uh, being the experienced organizers. What would you say to someone in, in someone very uh, who's you know uh, maybe in, in a position very akin to Jacobs and who uh, uh, through pr- through Providence has acquired, say, an email list of like every tenant in the entire apartment? What step would or what steps could one take? You know how how would you where would you go from there? Like what would you what would the ne- if you wanted to kind of begin a, um, a a series of weak you know weak network links building you know building a, a weak network? What would you do next? For example, in Minecraft. In Minecraft. No, just did you know for shits and giggles about that? Stop being online. Being hey, online right now. Hey, no, I've heard some people have used that in in like in like uh, in like group DMs now, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Minecraft, played. so I appreciate it. <laughs> never played Minecraft. It's, yeah. it's so I'm sitting on this email list of all the tenants in the building. What should what's my next step? Well, actually, oh, are you talking, Mario? Go for it. I'll go okay. next. Um, I guess I would probably just start talking to at least the neighbors on your floor first. Ask them, like, what's been going on? How COVID is treating them? You know, six months in, seven months in. Um, rates are raising again. So, like, maybe that's a talking point. Um, the eviction moratorium for non-payment of rent has been pushed back to the end of the year, which is fantastic. But maybe just kind of, like, get a sense of, like, where they're at, um, how how they're faring, um, and maybe just sort of like do that kind of like person gathering information because I feel like if I got, you know, like saw a friendly person in my building, saw them a couple of times, knew their name, I would be much more willing to like be okay with getting an email from them at least later on down the line than if I just sort of was like blasted this email because I'd probably be like, how the fuck did you get that? And then also be sure to blind copy everybody when you send out that email. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, and I would. Oh, go ahead, Mario. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, if I don't know what the um, <clears throat> the, like the common areas look like in your building, like if if people are gonna be comfortable with you talking to them, like in the hallway or something, because of COVID and everything. But I, you know, I still think that just leaving a friendly letter is like a, a great way to to start things. Like just with like your contact information, you can. Yeah, like Rebecca said, like just kind of do a little check in, see if there's anything that, um, you know, your neighbors need. Say that you want to start like, um, like a, a building like group chat or something, or like a, a building little mutual aid network to make sure, you know, everybody has what they need. Um, just just to put people in contact with one another, um, and yeah, start building relationships. And then, you know, work, work your way up to the topic of rent strike or something like that if it comes to it. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, the, what, uh, so you say you've been uh, 
our uh, say our our uh, fictitious person who of course is uh, we're we're only speaking theoretically here and and uh, not in, in any particular uh, you know real world situation they've let's call them makeup okay we're talking about makeup here um what should okay so makeup has put a little bit of time into establishing some basic weak network links i think this is because this is pretty much what it is you know just um you know a weak network is it it's neat what's it is it weak what's the what's the word for that was it weak ties there's a there's a there's a term for um that kind of like um you know like the thin connections i guess anyway whatever i get I'm, I'm, I read too much, so I get caught up in words. So Schmakeup gets has, has started putting in a little bit of work, uh, you know, reached out to some folks, maybe even been able to establish some um, uh, some basic linkages um, with just say like, hey, you know, you know, either like friendly chatter and or mutual uh, from there, or what kind of things should Schmakeup uh, bring up to say. Um, Maybe not heighten the contradictions, but maybe focus, you know, kind of either redirect or kind of focus the, uh, you know, focus or (laughs) raise the consciousness of the other person in certain directions, shall we say. Or is it something that just kind of hand that just kind of like flows naturally from from just uh, mutual interaction? Um, Well, I I think that, you know, you can definitely try and bring bring up, you know, the topics of maybe what the way that you're landlord has been treating you all um i mean if there's ever an event like once you have your your network in place like if there's ever an event that you can jump on um like you know another pipes burst or there's a huge hole in the wall um something like that um you know that that's a good way to 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 get people to um <laughs> probably chime in with with their sh- similar experiences or other things that have happened to them or they can relate. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a, a good way to get people to maybe like you tell them a little bit about, uh, your experience with something weird that's happened with this landlord. And then maybe they'll share something too. I also feel like it probably would happen pretty organically too, because when people communicate, they generally try to communicate about topics that they have in common with each other. And if you all live in the same building with the same property manage manager who over communicates and is really obnoxious about the door being left open and like water getting shut off left and right then like i imagine that that's going to come up pretty organically just based off of like how we communicate and we like to commiserate and get validated for our experiences so you can just kind of like bring that up pretty naturally without being like you know the landlord is a huge asshole wink wink nudge nudge like i think it would it would come up and, and feel pretty natural. Makes sense. What about rent increases? That's something that seems to be happening uh, at my property more and more these days. It, although it hasn't happened this year, which is significant, I think, because I got the impression that they were getting ready to do that before COVID hit. But I think that might have given them some pause. What um, do you do? You know, like how well there's limits on how much they can increase rent. Um, if you're talking about just just why would you be increasing rent in COVID? That seems really immoral and, and awful. Uh, I think that's definitely something that your neighbors will probably not be happy about as well. Um, if it does happen. Um, also there's, if anybody does, you know, get displaced, um, has to move because of a rent increase right now, there's, uh, 
uh, relocation assistance has to be paid um, for any rent increases that result in somebody having to move. So that's also something to keep in mind. Not that anyone should have to move regardless right now if they don't want to. And I think also educating other people in your building about um, what the moratorium actually is. It's not just a evictions moratorium in general. It's just for non-payment of rent um, to like give them give people like resources to like understand that like they aren't alone in this like really horrible scary time, um, especially if they are you know unemployed. Um, you know now I imagine that people are starting to feel the strain of unemployment again because the um, like the the additional federal benefits have ended have have been gone for several months and as far as i'm aware like it's still kind of like whack in oregon whether some people who like should have gotten you know who should have been getting unemployment since since march still haven't gotten a penny um and uh yeah so like telling people that they aren't alone and like demonstrating that through like education and reaching out to them just being like hey i'm here i'm here to listen i'm here to 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 just hold space for you yeah, I still haven't gotten my unemployment. That sucks. Yep. I, uh, one question I did have is, have you been able to, because I think there's more and more and um, more and more groups that are kind of popping up about this, have you been able to work with any of the other local, well, I mean, I guess maybe there's not that many other local groups yet, but you know, there are local like tenant organizations yet for you know for some basic actions or even just the like, communication. Um, we've been uh, so we're I don't know if this counts, but we're like part of like the Autonomous Tenants Union Network, um, which is not limited to Portland, but it's uh, small. Well, not even you know tenant unions of various sizes all over the country. Um, kind of do online trainings and information sharing um online there's actually a i think a conference this weekend yeah i think they're like their uh, first their first like virtual convention is this weekend yeah um so i mean we've i think a few of us have gone to a few different trainings that various uh tenants unions that are part of that have put on um but in terms of like other uh portland tenants associations or tenant unions um we we haven't done that much. Um, I mean, Cece was talking about Donovic PDX. Um, we've we've been working with them, trying to figure out how uh, MPTC can like support and and help with the stuff that they're doing. But I think that's probably the the group that we've been working most closely with. Cool. Yeah, I think there's also a group called like Artists for Rent Control or something like that. They were had a lot of uh, they had a lot of flyers in Southeast early on. Yeah. The, um, the peer network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, early on, rapid response eviction defense was uh, what at least I was hearing the most about. Um, but then after after going to some more trainings and then talking to other folks, like and the eviction defense forum that we put on was really like more geared towards, um, you know, you're always going to have to respond quickly to a degree but like the organizational aspect of that is like extremely important you can't just have a bunch of people show up um at a at a tenant's house who's facing eviction um without having like some really good structure in place what you mean basic uh semi-random spontaneity won't save us all (laughs) who would have thought not always (laughs) i wish i wish (laughs) excellent 
Um, all right. Well, beginning to wrap things up, is there anything? Uh, are there, or is there anything uh, we sh- you want to make sure that we get mentioned during our talk today? And we haven't covered or any like last bits that we uh, we should get into. I feel like I just can't stress the importance of talking to your neighbors. Um, I feel like it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, they're so annoying. They make so much noise, like stomping around at like three a.m. But they're also people, and they have needs, and they have desires, and they have fears as well as you do. And I'm sure you're also loud and obnoxious at some point during the day for them as well. Um, and just kind of like remembering that and like we're living in like unprecedented times and we you know like all need like some grace and some compassion and so that can might just like be what allows you to um like make a difference in the lives of everybody in your building everybody who has the same landlord as you and um yeah so talk to your neighbors i keep forgetting everybody's names yeah i'll I'll second that talk to your neighbors it's super important um yeah, back back before I guess right when things were, you know, before organizing started at the old uh, apartment complex, um, there was a, a night where right before this was before I was leaving uh, at three a.m. in Washington D.C. and our next door neighbors were being like super loud and I like pounded on the wall and then felt really bad about it and went next door and like talked to them and then I, I uh, we ended up getting them an, an apology plant. Um, and gave them our, our contact info and everything and then actually became friends with them. And, and uh, yeah, so just resist the urge to pound on your wall. Um, you just go and talk to your neighbor if, if they're being loud and form a relationship. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the one thing about uh, that I've noticed about um, in the very much modern era that I've uh, been suffering myself is like a lot of people who have become radicalized are also um, not the most socially outgoing so like the whole point is to talk to folks, but like I don't want to talk to people. I suck at talking to people. But yeah, <laughs> you're probably better at talking to people than you think you are. You know, like I don't know. At least that's that's what I think. Mm. I mainly talk to people through uh, you know heavily mediated through spectacle, like a screen or something. But yeah. All right. Um, I think wrapping things up. Is there uh, for getting back to uh, recommendations and endorsements? Is there anything uh, y'all been digging on that you want to tell other folks about? You know? um, yeah, there's there's a, another podcast that I've really been into lately. Uh, it's called the POD Cast. Um, if anybody in the, in their teenage years was super into new metal, like me, um, it's a uh, it's two guys from I think. Street Fight and uh, Blocked Party. Just, yeah, it's them. They'll listen to a new metal album every month and just talk about it for, like, two hours. And it's it's got everything, you know. It's comedy. You get the nostalgia. Um, and, yeah, it's made me feel, like, less embarrassed about my my love of, of new metal and how it, it got me to my my more um i guess like punk and, and hardcore taste later in life but mm-hmm. my entry to all that was through new metal which i've always been embarrassed about until this podcast came out it's nothing to be embarrassed about just don't play it after 10 o'clock <laughs> or you'll pound on my wall hmm. rebecca um i have a personal plug um, Go for it. I have a zine that's launching, um, I guess, like next Saturday. And um, I run a small zine press. It's called Zines and Things. We print essentially like small chapbooks, personal essays, 
um, ephemeral kind of kind of stories in in zine form. And um, this this particular zine is written by my my friend and business partner Jessica. It's called King of the Interstate. It's about like dying Americana. It's about like Howard Johnson's um, like the 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 pre sort of King of the Interstate before McDonald's rose to power. Um, and it's about like it's like sort of like her like family story. And um, we like are laminating the covers, and so it has that like kind of like lo-fi like diner feel to the actual like print objects, and so awesome. that's really fun. Um, but yeah, that's that's a plug. Something that I'm just like enjoying in general, though, is um, I'm a former Catholic, and I still kind of like enjoy the ritual of Catholicism just because it's cool, I guess. Um, but I just recently saw that the Vatican beatified this um i guess he he like died in 2006 and he was like a a teenager um and so he's like maybe going to be the first like millennial saint and he's called he's you know they've been sort of calling him the patron saint of the internet and i just am so tickled by the idea of like this I don't know this like teen, this like teen gamer who's gonna be a saint. I don't know. I just think that's really funny and like really dorky and stupid. Um, but yeah, I just have been enjoying that. Make little like those little like medallions that people, you know, hang around their uh, their streaming microphones or something. Yes, exactly, exactly. And just like have your like little icon or your prayer candle like on your Twitch setup. I don't know. I just <laughs> think that that would. That would be hilarious, and I and I want to see it. He's a damn better choice than Padre Pio, in my opinion. Do not uh, that that no, went over nobody, my head. Nobody, all right. No, no that no. went over my head. <laughs> very, very Catholic reference. What, um, Rebecca, what's what is the ad? Oh, what is the address uh, of the uh, or where's the the like the the store your your store for your zine or how you? Uh, yeah, you can um, order directly from our website. It's zinesandthings.com. Um, and you can also find us on all various social media things like we're on Twitter and Instagram and um, Facebook. But who's on Facebook? I'm Gen X, so I still am. I have to. Uh, that's where I post all my uh, podcast recommendations. How do you? Uh, how do you? Uh, how do you spell zines? Is it and or in? How do you spell zines and things? Yes. Yeah, so it's zine z i n e and a n d things t h i n g s dot com. Awesome. Have you thought, um, have you, I'm not sure what their business model is, I'm just wondering, I was going to say, doesn't, um, doesn't my, like something like, uh, like Micropress do a, like a, like a co-printing or exchange deal? Or am I thinking of something else? Like Microcosm? Yeah, Microcosm, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I mean, I think they do, um, I feel like we sort of like, we kind of choose to do like a more like partnership model with our artists that we work with. Um, Fair enough. Because, like, we really value the, like, that collaborative process. And, like, it's really possible when you're making zines. And it's not so possible in, like, other forms of, like, printed media um, or with, like, book publishing. Um, so we um, make sure that, like, all of our artists are, like, are paid and um, that they get, you know, like, a big cut of, of the sales. Because, like, that's what we really value. Sweet. You might be able to get some into, like, Cosmic Monkey Comics 
has like a local section for for zines and things. Like literally, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll check that out. That'd be cool. It was. Uh, I We're was... in Powell's, but they aren't really accepting any more like consignment things right now because of COVID and things like that. Yeah, the uh, I know that some of the comic shops are at least open, and I was. Uh, I know that uh, there's like a little mini comic and zine section in Cosmic Monkey, and I was very very tickled back in August of stopping by there and seeing uh, some people had left the. Um, <laughs> the uh the portlanders guide to tear gas the little zine that was floating around in august they had left that several of those out by the uh the free pile so that was fun but um, oh, that is fun yeah uh jacob i'm gonna go ahead and recommend counterpart on amazon prime starring jk simmons it's a very light science fiction show with a very heavy dose of espionage and it's if anybody has seen fringe it's about parallel worlds but fringe is more the flashy james bond epic action adventure lots of chase scenes and violence and weird things version of this idea and counterpart is more of the le carré version of the same concept so it's about spies dealing with parallel world but it's very quiet very sharp very much about people trying to outthink other people and jk simmons is just phenomenal i i really enjoyed this it's pretty dark so if you're not like me and you don't find comfort in extremely depressing fiction i would maybe give it a pass but it's very well executed Awesome, yeah. And I will recommend a book came out in the uh, about ninety nine two thousand, written by a guy named Jerry Lemke called "The Spitting Image." Uh, I think it's called um, "Media Myth" or "Movies Myth and uh, and uh, the Legacy of Vietnam," which is it's pretty much he did an entire book trying to get in, trying to figure out exactly where the urban legend or where the the kind of the icon of like the the return the Vietnam vet who returns home and is spit, spat upon by a protester and tries to figure out exactly where that came from because it was never actually it was never really documented at the time and he gets into both like how Hollywood very quickly signed on to all of the anti uh, anti protester pro war sentiment that like the Nixon administration was trying to do back in the early seventies to the point where um you know, they were so heavily propagandized that they used a lot of those myths to beat down um, any sort of resistance to, say, Desert Storm in the early 90s. And then all that stuff came back up again 12 years later in, resist in beating down resistance to the Iraq War. And it is... Uh, it's kind of a thing where he'll, it goes into everything from, like, gets into the anti-war movement, how the... Um, how like veterans and even like active duty servicemen were part of were you know active partners in the in the anti-war movement but that kind of got heavily obscured with popular uh popular retellings of it um and even it though, came from rambo didn't it well it's uh it was it was that was definitely part of it but it was also um having an entire um an entire like um like uh professional you know professional uh uh psychology you know a team of psychologists when like ptsd or you know post vietnam syndrome was still kind of like before it made it into the into the dsm were um it's like people were tr just now grappling with um with uh, with shell shock, with uh, with battle damager, with you know, with PTSD, but they would they would often they would pathologize like a lot of the veterans, and so like the myth kind of became a thing of like um, 
it was using using diagnosis of PTSD to kind of really um what do you want to say? I don't know, not diffuse, but kind of like point out like, oh, he doesn't, you know, this, this guy, you know, these people, all these veterans coming home who are really against the war and have, you know, it was kind of a thing of using, using diagnoses to diffuse the, um, some of the, the, um, the most credible witnesses against like what was actually happening in Vietnam. And then eventually it got into stuff too, it, where you, it, the, the, the old, um, Dosh Dosh Legend, the stab in the back myth that like both like German veterans after World War One and I think even like French veterans in in, a, in another different war um, would use it saying, "Hey, we we didn't lose, we were st- we were betrayed, we were stabbed in the back," and how that kind of both uh, that that image came up again. But also, th- there's an entire chapter on like how myth and urban legend works, and that's kind of like how you know why do we need you know how do these stories work, and why do we keep having to tell ourselves them this so it's a um it's a great book on everything from like getting to like film history to um to political history to even you know to like leftist movements in the 60s to even you know again the kind of like the psychology of like how myth and urban legends work so that's uh, jerry lemke's uh the spitting image a book that i heavily recommend all right. Uh, once again, thank you all for uh, for spending time uh, with us this evening. Um, how can folks get in touch with you, or do you have anything coming up that you would like to uh, promote? Um, that's yeah, it's like yeah, uh, and anybody can go in any order you like, I guess. Um, you can, uh, if you're interested in North Portland Tenants Collective, you can check out us on social media or uh, our website is nopotenants.org. Jacob? If you want to talk to me, you should talk to your neighbors and ask them where I am and just see if they're happy or if they're frustrated with anything in the building and kind of see how things go from there. Very natural. Yeah. Excellent. Slow. Step by step. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for good Korean places in Portland to eat, please email us at givingthemike at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Twitter at givingthemike. Uh, we're at soundcloud.com slash giving the mic. We do, because we are a leftist podcast, of course, we do have a Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash giving the mic. Even donations as little as a dollar a month help us put us out, put this stuff out and cover bandwidth costs and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of, is there anything else? I think that is pretty much all I have. Yeah, I'll record something afterwards if I if I can think of it. But other than that, but yeah, once again, thanks a lot, uh, y'all, for for doing this. And I will uh, let you know when I finally uh, get it get it ready to post. And hopefully, it won't take me another three weeks to edit this stuff. Awesome! Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, any final words, y'all? Are we yeah. gonna talk about guillotines in part two or <laughs> part three? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few steps in the, there's a few steps before that. Anyway, all right. Uh, with that, I uh, bid y'all adieu and uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you good so night. much for having us. Mm-hmm. All right.
Thanks, y'all. That's this was fun. It was fun. Thanks yeah. for putting this all together. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, gotta talk yeah, to my neighbors. Girl. Oh my god, <laughs> I want to stay at home and be weird. <laughs> I mean, you can still you be can at home and be weird. Yeah. Both of my yeah. both of my neighbors in either apartment next to me are new. Actually, they just moved in like two months ago. Perfect opportunity to chat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, I really have to dash. Um, I'm sorry. I, again, it was great chatting with all of you. Um, yep. Thank you for Thanks. letting us talk about this. Um, appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Welcome to the wonderful world of podcasting and extremely DIY. Well, you know, DIY half wit bungling that we the, that we do. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm very familiar. <laughs> I feel like with zines and things, we're all just sort of fumbling around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thanks. Have a good evening. I'll talk to you all hopefully in the future. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. Night.